Do you think Pfizer takes a hit if this thing backfires? Do you think they take any real hit? Yeah, I do. Financially? Yeah, I think it'll hurt their stocks for a few weeks. So basically nothing, though. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Is it's not going to... Like, the risk of them fucking up isn't really a big risk for them, is what I'm cynically guessing. Because what can, what can they say, like, straight back to these governments? Like, look, you saw the studies. Other scientists told you their opinions. You fucking asked for this shit. Yeah. Um, we're just a, we're just a, we're just a humble, I'm no big city lawyer. <laughs> I'm just a humble little Pfizer man pumping out vaccines from my, from my garage. I do wonder why, though, since you did say that you think like this Oxford one is more promising, then why? That's what makes me just inherently skeptical of like a truly evil company like Pfizer, like pumping this stuff out in record time. But they've released have said they're both at least ninety percent effective and should be safe. But at the same time, all of this has been rushed compared to like every other vaccine in the world, yeah. in the history of the world. Um, so they've tested on 20,000 people over the matter over a course of what, four months, Something. five months. That's, it's, it's just, inc- I'm not trying, I know it sounds like I'm trying to be like, I don't want there to be a vaccine almost. It's just, I don't want it to be a, I just, I hate, Pfizer, so I'm very skeptical of like anything they do. And B, I know enough about vaccinations and like scientific testing that it's an incredibly, incredibly short timeline. Like the reason they usually spend like three years and like almost like some of the initial stages of these things is because there are long term side effects that they can't possibly be accounting for yet. Yeah. So I, I mean, Fingers crossed, fucking pray to your God. <laughs> like, I don't know. I hope it works. But I'm just going to say that I won't be surprised if, like, everyone turns into a werewolf in three months. And and Pfizer Pfizer gets a little dip, has a little dip in their fucking stock and then goes back to normal. Oh, no, but they'll be punished in the marketplace for putting out a bad product. That's how we do morality around here. He walked out in the gray light and stood and he saw for a brief moment the absolute truth of the world. The cold relentless circling of the intestate earth. Darkness implacable. The blind dogs of the sun in their running. The crushing black vacuum of the universe. And somewhere 200 animals trembling like ground foxes in their cover. Borrowed time and borrowed world and borrowed eyes with which to sorrow it. 
and lo, for the earth was empty of form, and void, and darkness was all over the face of the deep, and we said, look at that fucker dance. <laughs> Welcome to Heat Death of the Universe. It is December 8th, 2020. We are in Seoul, South Korea. It's a beautifully sunny day. What do you know? Um, It is 11.58 a.m. on this Tuesday near afternoon. And... Capitalism's winter of death is soon approaching <laughs> on this sunny, sunny day. Um, yeah, I saw this headline recently. Um, I'm, it's a bit, you know, it's a little bit of a long article. I'm definitely not going to read the whole thing at all. Um, just, just the opening bit here. Um, capitalism's winter of death. Immediate action is necessary to save hundreds of thousands of lives. Um, this is an official statement by the Socialist Quality Party. A tragedy of unprecedented proportions is unfolded in, is unfolding in the United States. More than 13,000 people have died over the past week alone, including 2,918 yesterday, the highest daily death toll since the pandemic began. I remember there were predictions uh, months ago about we were going to hit daily 9-11 numbers. Looks like we're basically there. More than 218,000 people have tested positive for the virus yesterday. Another record. Staggering 283,000 people have died in the United States. Man, again, I say this like every other, every episode. Wasn't it like 50,000 less the last time we talked about this? I think so. Jesus. Um, At yesterday's rate, 400,000 people will be dead by the end of this month. (sighs) Just taking that in sucks. It does suck. Um, And more than 450,000 will be dead by the end of January. The milestone of half a million dead will be reached by the middle of February without taking into account the expected surge in... Uh, the expected surge in deaths. Uh, the uh, the CDC director, Robert Redfield, said this week that the coming months, quote, are going to be the most difficult time in the public health history of this nation. In an extraordinary statement, President-elect Joe Biden said on Wednesday, quote, I don't want to scare anybody here, but understand the facts, Jack editorial we are likely to lose another 250,000 people dead between now and january doesn't that sound exactly like something we heard a, a not even previous a current president say about a year ago what did he say a year ago <laughs> sorry <laughs> pay attention to me man <laughs> donald trump said like when this shit started 
he had like a chart and stuff, and he said, well, if we only lose 250000 that's fine. Like, he basically said, like, that's acceptable. And here's Joe Biden saying now, I don't want to scare anybody here, but understand the facts. We're likely to lose another 250,000 people. Yeah, but I don't think he's saying this is acceptable. I have my problems with Biden, but I think he's just saying, we're fucked. We're just going to lose another 250,000 people. He's not saying... And I think Trump meant, like, we were only going to lose 250,000 people. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, I think this is different. I think this is just like saying this is going to happen. There's no turning back now. We've reached, like, critical mass, and things are just going to get worse. Except there is turning back. You fucking shut everything down, and you pay people to stay home, and that doesn't happen. That's what I'm getting at. Is he saying it's inevitable? Oh, it's only inevitable if you subscribe to this fucking insane idea that that really no other country does on the planet except for the United States, which coincidentally has more deaths per capita than anywhere else, like by a huge margin. Like, (laughs) I mean, no no shade on India, but are we fucking India here? People are going to say, oh, but in India, they're not paying people to stay home. Okay, fine. But look around the rest of the world. We could do it. We could print money. We can we can take money from the fucking Department of Defense. Like the money is there. That's true. That's what that's just what makes me want to pull my hair out after all those numbers I just read. They like, did just give the Pentagon another seven hundred billion dollars or seven hundred trillion dollars. <sighs> One of those big numbers is hard for me to Yeah, those abstract numbers that comprehend peop- that people either I a, go, oh, that's a lot, that's too much. Or B, just go, yeah, well, it's the cost of defending America. Um, anyway, I, I got nothing else to say about this article, not really, but like... So, like, coinciding with this is now, you know, the UK is, like, as we speak, going to start, like, giving people the Pfizer vaccine. Canada's going to be soon behind. I guess Germany's also coming coming up quickly. Um yeah. yeah, it is fucked that 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 is the way he said it's inevitable. Sorry, I'm I'm like I guess like what I meant is I don't think America is going to fucking do anything. So yeah, two hundred fifty thousand more people are going to die. And yeah, you're right. There are things we could do, and why the fuck aren't we doing them? I, I don't know why that, we're not doing them. That's exactly my that's that's my point. Is that. Yeah, and see, Biden probably said it. And look, look what look at his words. I don't want to scare anybody here. And I didn't hear him say this. I just read it. But you know, you can imagine he said it in like a more soothing voice than Trump's kind of clumsy idiot. Like, so yeah, it's going to be another you know two hundred fifty thousand. As long as we stay under that number, we're all good. I mean, it is fucked that he followed it up by saying we no longer have to shut down. And, you know, to reiterate his, uh, I'm not going to shut down the economy, period, which is literally the thing that should be done. And don't forget, no Medicare for all is going to pass on his watch either. Nope. That's the thing. He just, he didn't officially appoint. He hasn't officially appointed anybody. But I guess the guy that's like in the front running, front runner position now for the um, health and human services, (laughs) he's on the record as saying he's pro Medicare for all. So some people were like grasping desperately um, 
he said, finally, some good news. And it wasn't just him, of course, a lot of people. But like immediately I just thought, but it's not (laughs) because the president, the man who's appointing this man has said, like, under no circumstances are we going to have Medicare for all. So. I mean, but maybe you can just turn Obamacare into Medicare for all and it gets passed. But no, (laughs) you have to completely, you would have, like, if you did, it would be unrecognizable as Obamacare, though. Like, oh. That's not such a bad thing. I I mean, they, no, can, what I'm they say- can keep that name. What I'm saying is it will never happen that way. It's not about keeping the name. It's about keeping fucking donors happy. I mean, every, you know this. We all know this. It's about it's about keeping huge business interested business interests placated. Private insurance. And that's it. Yeah. Um the funny thing about the way we're starting this episode is that we, we agreed, like, even, like, a week ago, like, okay, we're going to do this episode, that one, and then uh, let's just do, like, a fun fuck-off one. On, just a light. On, something light. And here we go. Maybe it's just that fucking coronavirus news is just hard to get around, you know? I don't know. It's everywhere. But, um, Do you want to talk about the the whistleblower and then maybe move on after that. Oh, sure. So, um, not to say that we live in a fascist country, but sometimes it, <laughs> well, we don't live in a fascist country. Not to say that America is not a fascist country, but, um, in, uh, Florida, you have Rebecca Jones, a, a whistleblower who, uh, worked for the Florida, um, I want to say their CDC. I don't remember its exact acronym, but like they were, she worked for that and she was one of the people who, um, helped with the original like corona like virus like maps of like where the virus was etc cetera, etc cetera. she was fired for like releasing um information that basically the state officials were saying not to be released and she was also fired for like not wanting to doctor numbers and make the virus look less um she didn't want to make the virus look less dangerous than it actually is and so after being fired, she started her own uh, site where she did uh, basically crowdsourcing to figure out where the virus was, and it became a really popular site. And then, like, she expanded from Florida to doing crowdsourcing across the whole nation. But um, the, uh, the the Florida government was um, state government was very upset with this. And uh, just yesterday, Florida State Police raided her home, pulled guns on her and her family, and she is being arrested for whistleblowing and basically for just, you know, speaking the truth online. Uh, she's not been charged yet, but her phone and computer was confiscated, and it's it's messed up. And that has all the data that she's been collecting on it, and she, I mean, I don't know anything about her. I don't want to speak ill of her. But when I did read that, like, she did have stuff backed up, but it was merely just backed up on, like, physical hard drives rather than the cloud. I was kind of like, well, yeah, maybe but I should. mean, and anyway, I'm, that's a really minor, 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 minor point. Um, but the, the other thing to mention is that what really, what it seems really kicked off her arrest was that, um, an email, a mass email was sent out to, um, yeah, I guess just Department of Health. So it was sent out to like the Florida Department of Health, um, like employees, 
and um, it was from it was from a, a, a what they called like secure email uh, address that only like uh, Department of Health employees could access. And she, but she had already been fired at this time, right? Yeah. And they also mentioned that like they just have one username and one password for this email, which also just seems fucking dumb. But in any case, um, the message urged its recipients to speak up before another 17,000 people are dead. You know this is wrong. You don't have to be a part of this. Be a hero. Speak out before it's too late. At the time of the message, Florida had reported 17,460 coronavirus-related deaths. Um, and the search warrant was issued... After receiving a complaint that the, Depart- that the Department of Health regarding unauthorized access to Department of Health messaging system, which is part of an emergency alert system, to be used for emergencies only. So they're like arresting her well, ba- with really no, no digital evidence, it seems, either. They're arresting her because she's been trying to better inform the public. Right, so they're just assuming she could be the one who's like done this "quote unquote" hacking. They're like accusing her of like hacking, and um, she she went on to be quoted as I saying, "There's a fucking boogeyman." She said, "Hacking is not something I ever thought they would accuse me of because I've never displayed any capability of doing that. I've never taken any computer courses or anything like that. I do statistics in a software program designed basically to do all this stuff." for you by clicking stuff yeah this doesn't really sound like i mean doing statistics and like she probably uses python or math lab which you know there's programming with that um from what i understand but it's not hacking and hacking as you see in movies or you or you think the russians or the chinese are doing that's basically that's not real there's there's hacking but it's not it's not like the movies um (laughs) I, i just wanted to say though that what but the thing that she was she's been arrested for was literally an email that was sent out an email being sent out is not hacking in any way because she they yeah i mean we're getting maybe too detailed on this but she used to work for them but they said that they like don't change the email and password so that's why they're assuming it could be her so that that's also not even that's just not even hacking like <laughs> that's like she's using a, an old work email that they didn't change the fucking I mean, password on. I guess on. it's sort of like stealing property if she's not supposed to have access to it. It's like... Yes, but if she's not supposed to have access to it, then why do they allow her to have the, the password, yeah. the password why and name? Why haven't the password? Yeah, they should have better security protocols, but um, they might have a case there if she turns out to be the one who took it, but... Yeah, I, I know exactly what you're saying. It's just bad security on their front, too. Um, I don't know. It's just, like, screwed up. And it really seems like the real reason she's being arrested, sure, the emails, the email, sure, whatever. But the real reason is Florida was going through reopening plans and have just went ahead and did their reopening plans. They were one of the first places, and, too, yeah. And she was one of the people to figure out if they met the criteria for reopening the numbers that they got and the uh, the um, scientists got said, no, you're not ready to be reopened. And the state government comes back and they're like, yes, we are. We've already made the plans. We're reopening. Doctor the numbers. Your numbers are wrong. And they're like, they're not wrong. They're right. like, well, you're fired. We're going to find someone who says these numbers are wrong. Get the numbers we want. 
And it wasn't just her, by the way, that was fired. There was uh, there were numerous employees fired, and people that just people that quit on over like on like ethical grounds mm. of you know refusing to manipulate the data in a way that would be dangerous. So, and you can only. I think with good reason, assume that this is going on all over the country, not just in this one part of Florida. So, yeah. um, on that note, I mean, there's so, there's always more to talk about with coronavirus, but let's, uh, let's look at some dumbass headlines. <laughs> and this is a whole nother aside. Sorry, I'm getting a little into the tech weeds here, but I'm interested in this shit. One big thing, you know, America basically has like internet monopolies. You've got like Comcast and you've got a charter. Sure. Um, Comcast during this pandemic when, um, when probably more people are using the internet than any other time because people are just stuck at home. Um, they have decided to finally do mandatory capping of all of their internet in America to where it's like one terabyte a month per customer, which isn't that much data. Yeah. Um, nonsense and it's not like any of those americans have the option to go choose another internet provider yeah the the pure monopoly that internet providers have in america is really ridiculous horrible compared to korea where like you know they just you've got multiple options here it's nice yeah, and it and you can you can you don't like if you li- you can choose more than one option in a city. Yeah, whereas like in the states, you usually you have like Comcast, you have Charter, you have Time Warner. I, I remember a friend of mine living in Chicago. Like he was like, you know, he could only have Comcast or whatever, and it was like it was even down to like the neighborhood. Like Chicago has even divvied yeah. up at the time between different like the two major providers. And whatever one he was forced to have, like, just really sucked, and he had all these issues with. It was probably Comcast. Yeah, I think so. I was forced to have Comcast once, and it was uh, hell. But here, there's not, there's nothing like that here, right? Oh, like, no, no. You've got lots of options here. I mean, there are, like, the dominant companies, there's, but, like... There's also, the sm- there's also a couple of small ones, okay. but, yeah, there... Um, and the thing is, like, in the States... So a lot of countries, like the country will have like the main hubs and then they rent out the hubs to like the internet provider. So the internet provider basically just goes to the hub and they run their wire from the hub to your house. That's why like your neighbor could have SK and you might have KT in your house, Mm -hmm. but they're, they're probably both using the same like public hub because of like government contracts. But in the U S we just let them all do it privately right? and they've come up with zoning laws about well, we can't have like multiple wires running from different companies because that would just make the uh, landscape look terrible. That's the reason, I'm sure. <laughs> it has nothing to do about just allowing them to have monopolies on something that should just be a um, public good, like water. Yeah, agreed. Of course, last little tangent. I did see, I haven't investigated this much, but um, apparently one of the big commodities on Wall Street right now is water. Yeah. And it's uh, being publicly traded. Which, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a... There were, uh, in the 90s, there were what were called the water wars in Bolivia. I remember my Super Soaker 500. It was fucking bomb. 
where actually at least at least one teen- teenager was was killed in in this um uh the public protest because basically what happened was the IMF came into Bolivia took on their their debt or whatever i don't remember exactly how it worked but it's basically just like giant predatory uh banks taking over an entire country more like yeah basically and um uh some i can't remember the name of the company but it was a company from like san francisco they came in and they literally owned every drop of water in bolivia including the rainwater and would could fine or jail people for if they were found to be collecting the rainwater in buckets because yeah, that makes sense because they were I mean rainwater is dangerous it has acid in it acid's legal it's because they were forcing um already impoverished people to spend something like a third of their income on potable drinking water yeah so it's good to know the United States is heading down that that direction soon. I mean, maybe Flint was just a test run. Yeah. Um, That's we're case. really bad at getting away from all this depressing shit. But I got one last piece on COVID that I that I just forgot to mention before. Um, so all this all this exciting news about Pfizer, right? Ninety percent effectiveness. Blah 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 blah. They're going to start injecting people soon. Pfizer chairman, quote, unsure if COVID vaccine prevents transmission to others. Oh. Quote, I think this is something that needs to be examined. We are not certain about that right now with what we know. Now, you might think, oh, this was from like six months ago. No, this was from four days ago. Of course. (laughs) Maybe I'm missing something here, but why would why why the fuck would he say something like that? <laughs> like these people are good are usually good at lying. Like I don't understand. Um, the people with the vaccine are probably going to be okay, but if you don't have it, stay away from those people. I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I guess No, he's literally saying he's not sure if it will work, right? Oh, no, I think he's saying that it'll work. Like, you'll be, I don't know. Uh, Never mind. Okay, maybe I just misread something here. Okay. Um, But wait, am I misreading this? I don't know. Is he he saying, like, if you already have the virus and and then you get the vaccine, he's not sure if that will prevent transmission? Yeah. Well, he was asked if being vaccinated for the virus meant he could still transmit it to others. The, I think the wording is just like kind of kind of sloppy on this. That's all. Then, um, in any case, I wasn't very. Uh, maybe, maybe I'm maybe I'm making something out of nothing. Okay, no, basically, sorry, I just decided to look it up in Wired's. I guess none of the viruses really know yet, but um, so the vaccine, it'll keep you from getting sick, but um, so I, but that doesn't necessarily keep you from passing the virus to someone else. 
So I thought the whole point of a vaccine is that it doesn't it 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 doesn't allow the virus to like um attach itself to you so to speak. Am I wrong about that? So it's not just it's not just about preventing symptoms. It's the whole point of a vaccine is that you do not get the virus. You don't you're not infected by the virus. Well, this is what uh the Wired article says. Uh the makers of the the makers of the vaccine and play have reported only evidence that their drugs keep people from getting sick, which is say fewer vaccinated people have uh, moderate to severe symptoms and test or test positive for the infection. The vaccines do this very well. But uh, researchers working on the uh, AstraZeneca version, which is one of the versions, said they also had signs of reduced transmission of people spreading disease from one person to another. Uh, the AST results have some perplexing elements for sure, but if the transmission things hold up, it's going to matter a lot. Um, here's what known or at least known so far. The first two vaccines to complete the large trials are Pfizer and BioTech and the other from Moderna are new kind of medicine. They've they're the ones that use RNA. In this case, the sequence of codes for the virus, uh, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. So it seems like the AstraZeneca one is a more traditional vaccine. And it looks like it does re- reduce transmission. And the other two are the new ones, which seem to like keep you from getting sick, but may not reduce transmission. What am I missing here, man? A vaccine means... You can't transmit it to someone else. That's what a fucking vaccine is. So what are they? Why are they acting like this is a an additional side benefit of a vaccine to not transmit it to someone else? Whole point is it ends the transmission of the virus. So if it's if it's not even doing that, then what are we getting all excited about? I think it ends this these seem to end the symptoms that's not a vaccine then that's a treatment (laughs) that's a treatment of symptoms and it doesn't and who gives a fuck there's tons of people don't have symptoms and they're still passing it and that's why the numbers are exploding everywhere it doesn't make any fucking sense to me Ah, God. I mean, the Wired article goes on to say the problem is a COVID-19 vaccine that only prevents illness which is to say symptoms. I mean, if you get it, it's going to prevent the illness, which is good because you, like, maybe you don't already have it. Might prevent, might not prevent the infection with the virus or transmission of it to other people. Worst case, a vaccinated person could still be a asymptomatic carrier. That could be bad, obviously. Okay. Um, All right. Well. <laughs> so they're saying, I mean, the good thing about it is if there's a vaccine that prevents the symptoms, it could be the only way to reach herd immunity without like a complete and um, utter bloodbath. Yeah. Even more deaths. It's better than nothing. But I think it's I think if that's if that's what is being meant by 90 percent effectiveness, that's not what the average person is thinking when they read that headline. They're thinking I take the vaccine. I'm like. I'm like Teflon to the virus now, and therefore I can't give it to anyone else. And this is clearly not the case. If 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 what we're reading here is true, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, but the thing is, they don't they they go ahead in this article from Wired, and um, uh, so the CDC advisory committee of immun immunization, <laughs> fucking shit, I can't talk. Um. Um, 
practices. If the only thing it did was protect against severe disease, you'd want to look at the population that has severe, the severe disease and use it only there and nowhere else. But um, they say that that's almost not going, certainly not going to be the situation. The vaccines will probably have some effect on transmission, but right now no one knows how much or which one is better or for whom. Because uh, so far, the AstraZeneca one is the only one that hint of data studying the problem, which means that maybe because these are being so rushed, they really have just looked into like, does it prevent the illness? Does it prevent the symptoms? Does it make people, you know, not die after taking it? And they haven't looked into its effectiveness on a transmission yet. <laughs> then, then, then this thing is not nearly, this is not anything to throw a parade for at all then. Well, yeah, because I mean, because, oh, hey, we gave this person the vaccine three months ago and they haven't died yet. Well, they're good. They don't have symptoms. But (laughs) no, (laughs) we already know you could probably have it for months and then still get sick and fucking die. And at the very least, you can pass it along to people that will definitely get sick and die. The whole point is to stop the goddamn transmission I mean that's the that's the underlying thing. If if it if it actually if if all it's really doing is stopping the symptoms, which yeah, I guess it's important, but like I don't know, man. I don't know. Should probably do more research before I go go off on the pod about this stuff. But I just I find, I think that's really misleading. I think if you if you like did a poll, so, most people would would assume what I assumed that a vaccine means you cannot get the virus. You will not be infected by it. Like symptoms are no. Oh, here you go. This absence of data on transmission was to be clear on purpose. The FDA laid out to vaccine makers what it was going to be looking for back in the summer when the pandemic looked like it was peaking and hospitals were full of people on ventilators. The most important problems to focus on were severe illness and safety, because back then researchers worried about the possibility of antibody-dependent enhancement, a rare side effect of viral illnesses in which vaccine-made tweaks to the immune, immune system could actually cause worse problems later. And remember that COVID tested shortage? It applied to the people in vaccine trials too, which made it hard to do the kind of regular infection checks that uh, AstraZeneca UK wing was apparently able to do. Which means nobody yet has transmission data beyond uh, AstraZeneca's vague hints that suboptimal. The millions of people who may well start getting vaccinated as soon as December will also be kind of a phase four trial. Yeah, so the people that are going to be vaccinated by England the next week, well, they're just part of the trial. An yeah. aftermarket test group in which scientists can observe what the vaccine does to transmission of the disease disease in the real world. Um, I do think we're going to need that information over time, Lee says, but I feel like in this part of the p- t- pandemic, given the context we're living in, right, living in right now, it does feel like making vaccination a key component of protection of the population is going to be an important tool. So right now, I guess they're just worried about just having something out there that can at least protect people who get it. But it's not necessarily going to protect the people who don't get it. And uh, some worries, just like instant worries, is like, so what happens to people with no health care? What happens to the people who just like can't get it? What happens to, you know, 
uh, yeah, it, it's it's complicated. Um, I I get why you're mad. I also didn't realize that they had not studied the transmission stuff at all. I it just, is good that they're. I just feel like you can't even call it a vaccine. Just call it a treatment. It's just a treatment. It's not a fucking vaccine. It's not even a vaccine by definition. <laughs> Am I wrong? Like, maybe there's some technical thing I'm wrong about, but like, if it doesn't prevent transmission, it's not a fucking vaccine. And if it doesn't prevent infection, that is. They don't know yet. That's the thing. <laughs> that's, and that's what I'm saying is they're rushing this shit out like morons. And like you said, yeah, so now they're going to do their phase four trial in the real world. Smart, smart guys. I'm sure, I'm sure there will be no, there'll be no additional variables to fuck with that part of the trial. I just, I just think it's, I don't know, man. I think I'm, I'm, it's fair to be uh, a bit negative about this shit at this point. And now I find out it's not even a real fucking vaccine. That's not... Well, I don't know if it's a real vaccine or not. Merriam-Webster's definition of vaccine. Okay, I am on a technicality wrong. There are therapeutic vaccines that fight the disease that has already occurred. They're not all preventative. I think that's what they're going for. Seems like the FDA just wanted to like keep people that are infected from dying. Like that was the number one priority for these vaccines to begin with. I just think most people in the world and like, I'm probably, I mean, I'm probably more scientifically literate than the average person. Even I'm not saying that I'm like fucking genius about this shit, but like if, if I'm so baffled by this distinction, like I bet the majority of people in the world are as well. And they're like people jumping for joy right now. Like, I don't know. I think, I think, I think the, the, the vested interests behind the vaccine are not being exactly clear about what it really will do. But I don't know. I just so I just always thought of a vaccine as being a preventative thing, not therapeutic. Yeah. I honestly hadn't thought about it much beyond what I was just reading. <laughs> which may make me sound dumb. But whatever, it's true. So that's uh, something I put a lot of thought into. Well, you probably just assumed like I did, right? That yeah. it, it was preventative. It would stop you from getting the the infection. Anyway, I mean, it's better than nothing, I guess, as long as if it actually is effective, but um and I mean they seem to think there really just hasn't been the testing that from just like basing things on like vaccines from history, they probably will have some effect on transmission. Like, they're not going to, like, increase transmission. They'll probably decrease it, but they don't know how much yet. Anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, crazy times. Crazy times of this stupid virus. 
that seemed like it could have been prevented. Months ago, by just staying home and giving people money. Without a doubt. Without a doubt, it could have been. Just... Most uh, most societies are not uh, set up to to deal with that, to deal with things that way. I wonder if we'll learn any lessons from this later. No way. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I mean, I might continue wearing masks to work. So I've just been like less sick this year than in general, which has been nice. I was thinking about that too the other just today actually like when it's all if it's, when if and when it's all just gone <laughs> how be, how weird it will feel at least at first to like go out in public and mingle without a fucking mask on and stuff I don't know I think it's gonna like really permanently mess with people's psychology a bit I mean I think I'll certainly be more like like paranoid about like the next fucking virus to pop up but um i don't know we'll see let's wait for the first one to stop (laughs) what if another one just crops up like at the same time what if there were like three of these things going on at once so there's nothing saying that it that it couldn't happen that way either yeah Worst case scenarios. Let's think about that on this positive episode of Heat Death of the Universe. <laughs> anyway, we're going to look at some fucking <laughs> maybe sure. silly headlines. Okay, so this is a sort of modified version of clickbait roulette. Some, some of it's clickbait, some of it's less so, but these are just like almost randomly pulled headlines that we haven't really read. No, I don't think I've read any of them. I haven't read any of the stories or seen the full headlines yet. I mean, I know some of, just looking at your list of headlines, I haven't read them, but I know about some of them, I think. Yeah. Okay. I know which one you're probably talking about. (laughs) There's one I know very much about. This is a dream of mine. Well, uh, we'll get there in a second. We'll just start at the top, though. How Salvador Dali Dali has influenced your wardrobe. I wonder if this will be fun or he, stupid. He made me a fan of mustaches, but I've never had a Sal- <laughs> Salvador Dali stall mustache. Um, hmm. Taking a quick scan here. It looks like it's just going through the history of sort of lame and rather what looks to me lame surrealist fashion uh like high fashion which i have zero interest in um yeah this article sucks (laughs) sorry (laughs) i don't know i mean i didn't even read it i'm just just scanning through i feel like i can tell that it's very obvious it's like Salvador Dali was a surrealist painter who made weirdo paintings. Later on, some fashion designers made weirdo fashion. Well, how, what do you know? Artists are inspired by artists. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, I think Salvador Dari is actually a pretty cool artist. Oh, I love his. I love uh, his. I like his paintings a lot. Um, and I think he's had a big influence on art and fashions. Well, of course, but <laughs> everybody knows that. <laughs> okay, here's one thing. It says that. Dali was working in collaboration with a fashion designer back in 1937 and there was a model in a dress and it says apparently Dali was disappointed though he felt that the dress was missing one final touch a dash of mayonnaise (laughs) so that's probably the most interesting thing to glean from that one Um, I'm ready to move on yeah let's, let's go Here's one I know you're gonna love because you're the world's biggest. Um, the black turtleneck. <laughs> you're the world's biggest Steve Jobs stan. That's, um, that's... How the black turtleneck came to represent creative genius. How did that happen? How did that happen? I think I already probably know the answer to this one too, though. Oh God, there he is. There's the man, the legend, the god, Steve Jobs. I thought you were talking about Waz. <laughs> I was looking at the first close-up picture of him <laughs> holding the first-generation iPod. I just realized I have this habit to instantly just, like, scroll down. <laughs> Past his face. <laughs> just, just, no, just any article, because oh, they okay. always do that big, like, picture at the top, and I don't care about that big picture. Show me words, 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 words. Um, no, so it came into fashion because of Steve Jobs, or did it come into fashion before Steve Jobs? I don't know exactly yet, it, but it does look like there's a there's a trend I mean, of. Um, I think Audrey Hepburn looks better in her black turtleneck than Steve Jobs does in his. I gotta say, I agree with that. Um, I'm sure Steve Jobs would agree with that too, though. So why would they even? But why would they even put that picture in here? She's not. Oh, I mean, I guess she was a good actress, but anyway, okay. There's an obvious question here. How did the basic item of clothing come to accumulate such lofty signifiers, such as genius, creative genius? The answer lies in its very simplicity. The turtleneck's appeal rests largely on what it is not. It makes the classic t-shirt and tie combination... What's that? Oh, I'm sorry. I said t-shirt. It makes the classic shirt and tie combination look priggish and the t-shirt appear formless and slobbish, hitting that otherwise inaccessible sweet spot between formality, okay, whatever, between formality and insouciance. I guess we've become a fashion cast. There's 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 Andy Warhol in a black turtleneck, and he's probably the most fashionable of all of these people. Okay, 10,000 words to basically say turtlenecks are somewhere in between, like, highly formal suit and tie and a slob slobby t-shirt fucking amazing insights guys i haven't had a turtleneck in a long time but i guess i like how i look in a turtleneck yeah they're fine i just i hate this article i hate this website (laughs) (laughs) you don't have to hate all of fashion all right we're zero for two here (laughs) So next, we've got one lucky, wealthy person can now buy time alone with the Mona Lisa. Can buy time alone with the Mona Lisa. I hate to know what they're doing to that painting. Yeah, it immediately makes you think of something pretty lewd, Um, but let's find out. You haven't lived until you've done something lewd with the Mona Lisa. (laughs) That's what I've always thought. 
Always. <laughs> Since you're in diapers. <laughs> Look at that beautiful smirk. And that scar left over from her brain surgery at the top of her forehead. <laughs> Good point. Um, one lucky bidder will have the chance to get up close and personal. See, they're just intentionally trying to make this like sexual. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is just, this is just fucking, um, is this a fundraiser or is this just pure cash injection for the museum? That's what all I want to know. That'd kind of be a fundraiser, right? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. No, no. Basically, some lucky rich person is going to get to like chill out. They're getting a, they get a private tour of the whole museum. Yeah, and they get to see, like, so there's only once a year that they take the painting out of his glass case to do inspections. I guess they'll get to see it without the glass case. Ooh la la. That's cool. It must be cool to be rich. I still think that, um, I liked the, uh, the Beyonce music video they shot in the Louvre. I thought that was a cool music video. I don't remember that, it was like I guess. Two or three years ago. Um, with, with her husband, who's, um, <laughs> whose name has completely eluded me. Jay-Z. Jay-Z. <laughs> That's the one. I was like, man, he's real famous. It's like the, literally the sound of two letters of the English alphabet. <laughs> it's just eluding me for a second there. Yeah, I get it. Now, this, this quote here makes me want to tear my hair out a little bit about this, um, one rich person. Well, actually, okay. So, okay, here we go. They're going to use the proceeds of this to make the museum, quote, accessible to all. But what does that even mean? They're not going to, like, charge people money? I doubt that. But it goes on to say about this accessible to all, whatever vague thing that means. Quote, This period of pandemic, which is hitting the most vulnerable in society first, makes this project even more necessary. Hey, how about use that money for, I don't know, anything people could actually use besides, like, come on in and check out the art? Yeah. Anyway, fuck all these people. Um, Here's the one you're excited about. You want to take it away? Oh, yeah, Mm -hmm. sure. Universal Studios Osaka, they're opening Super Nintendo World, and uh, I'm so excited about it. It looks amazing. The Super Mario World area looks incredible. They're going to have like a full-on uh, Mario Kart I did track. Hear, I did hear about that that aspect of it, I guess. Um, I've watched videos of it. I mean, if we were in the middle of a pandemic, I would probably figure out how to go there in February. Anyways, one of my good high school friends lives in Osaka, so I wouldn't mind seeing him to see what he's up to these days. But yeah, I think it looks incredible. I like, I like um, Super Nintendo and Super Mario a lot. Though I do have some problems with Nintendo right now. Nintendo's been kind of like evil to their fan base in the past few weeks. They're getting a lot of heat for it in the gaming community. Basically, they've uh, started suing people for making fan content. Uh, and being sort of like evil about their copyright stuff. What do you mean by fan content? Like deviant art drawings? <laughs> uh, no, people like programming fan versions, like fan tribute versions of Mario games mm. or um, uh, Smash Brother games. But they're probably not even like making money off of that. Yeah, right? the fans aren't making money off of them. It's just basically fan communities paying tribute. It'd be like you know if um, 
car seat headrest suddenly decided to sue your band for covering <laughs> bodies for doing a cover song yeah yeah that's pretty fucking lame and it's kind of lame when companies like companies as established as nintendo's like you know what fuck our fans fuck our fans we're the only people that should be able to make things with mario's image and if they're doing it we're going to sue them we don't care if they're making money or not we're suing them for blah, 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 blah. um nintendo's just like I like Nintendo. I think they've made great stuff, but at the same time, they've always been kind of like shitty when it comes to like copyright issues. Hmm. Though I still want to go to this theme park. I don't know if I will. I mean, it's expensive to go to theme parks. So I don't have a lot of money, but but it's tempting. I mean, if this, the plague ever lifts, I'm always looking for a reason to go to Japan. Well, not looking. There's plenty of reasons to go. <laughs> it's a cool country. Um, looks here that you can you'll be able to go into bowser's castle that sounds fun see i'm not you know i mean the park looks unreal i'm I'm not into to 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 the games so much and but this is like my childhood stuff right here so this does look kind of fun and nostalgic to me um i would go to this place definitely i i mean I've actually been to Universal Studios Osaka once, like five years ago. It was neat. They didn't have Nintendo Land then, sadly. And they don't now. They don't now. <laughs> Not com- yet. Not yet. It's coming. That sounds so bougie of me. I've been to Universal Studios Osaka. <laughs> Where have you been? But keep in mind, we live two hours away from most major cities in Japan, basically. So. We're not rich podcasters, folks. Not at all. In fact, we're only losing money on this podcast. <laughs> if you want to really know, take a peek behind the <laughs> scenes. It's um, all right. I've been losing money my whole life. <laughs> um, moving on. Moving yet, on. Yet another Italian village is selling $1 houses. Did we already talk about this, though, before? I thought we talked about the Japanese village that was doing the same thing. Yeah, I think we did. But let's just quickly Imagine see. if we bought all the $1 houses in the world. Well, here's here's a, some clickbait shit. Well, it's, it's actually $1.20 US. Oh, that's way one, too much one, money. One euro. Well, these houses look nice, though. Look at how... Fucking, I mean, I, I'm just basing it on that like top picture, but that looks picturesque as fuck. I want to live in this little village. I think we house. actually literally covered this, not this exact article. Is this with like the two old men? No, no. Who have been friends forever? That was another thing that's... Also so, Italy, right? It was also in Italy, yeah. Italy um, seems like a cool country. But this is the thing where the village is... Uh, it's like 99% elderly people, so they want younger people to move in to like keep the village alive, basically. I mean, I'll podcast from this village. Hell yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if our podcast made money, and because I, I don't know what, it, what I would do for work in this well, vill- village can, in Italy. but We can open a Bebop stand. <laughs> yes, we'll sell... We'll sell strange korean wares to old italian people in a hundred person village that does sound good actually it doesn't if, sound if it like a possible. terrible life um we definitely have to learn italian 
I imagine. I imagine it's easier than learning Korean. Mm, yeah, pro- yeah. It's probably. a romantic language. And I've always considered myself a romantic guy. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, <laughs> there's a, I know we were like just going down the line, but there's another one I saw that's kind of connects to this story. Like the third from the bottom. Do you see it? Why Bollywood uses offensive practices. Oh, uh, you got to refresh, man. Oh, third from the bottom though. I just got to learn how to fucking count. 50 cats inherit money from freshmen. Re- no. <laughs> I refreshed. Third from the bottom. One, two. Hawaii. Hawaii is offering free... Maybe I didn't save it. I'm sorry. Oh, I don't have anything under that. No. Hawaii is offering free round trips to remote workers who want to live there temporary. That's cool. I mean... But I want to see what the catch is. I heard know? it's really That's why easy it's clickbait to, to me. To get a teaching job in Hawaii, but I've also heard that you don't make enough money to actually afford an apartment in Hawaii if you teach in Hawaii. That's a real catch 22. I mean, I hear Hawaii is great. I've never been to Hawaii. Everyone I know that's been, it's great there. It's, it's fucking beautiful. But it's always seemed like one of those, like, oh, I'm not rich, so I can't go to Hawaii. And I haven't had, like, uh, you know, a business trip that led me there. I haven't really had a business trip per se. <laughs> unless unless you count school field trips. Cause I used to work at like a public school where you take field trips. Are those business trips? Um, in the very loosest definition of the term. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Every commute to work's a business trip. Yeah. I was going to say, you counting the subway rides you're going to take today. <laughs> um, so, ooh, first sentence. What better way to survive a pandemic than do it on a beach in Hawaii? I gotta say, this is gonna sound too good to be true. For anyone who finds the idea dreamy, Hawaii is offering free round-trip tickets to Oahu to out-of-state remote workers who want to live and work there while contributing to the state's economy. The state launched the temporary residency program known as Movers and Shakas. In collaboration with schools and businesses, it's accepting its first group of applicants until December 15th. Ooh, got to get it, get on that quick. Um, do you work remotely now? Do you think your school would be okay with you teaching your Zoom classes from Hawaii? Um, No. <laughs> <laughs> That's a shame. I also don't think my, my visa would would particularly like that either. Like, I don't know. Anyway, they're they're ch- they're gonna choose fifty people. Um, I'm sure I wouldn't even get even if I tried. I wouldn't get accepted. Probably because I'm like currently living in another country. <laughs> um, but and also, oh wait, it says they're required to spend at least thirty consecutive days in Hawaii. Well, how long can you stay? That's what I want to know. Hawaii currently has the lowest rate per capita of COVID infections in the country. I mean, it's kind of obvious. Is that counting territories or is this only states? Probably just states, I'm guessing. Uh, I'm not sure. So I bet Guam's is pretty low too, but I haven't actually looked. Yeah. Um, They, (laughs) Hawaii though, look... Hawaii still has more infections than the whole country of Korea. Oh, of course. 
and uh yeah anyway that sucks <laughs> i mean i guess it's good for whoever might actually get that i guess that's that's cool for them um what else what else what else well, guam has really low numbers as far as the united states goes I mean, if you count Guam as the United States, I do. Their total cases of like not that bad. I've always wanted to go to Guam. I don't know why. It's a tropical island. It's 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 close to where where we are now. I know, like sort of. of. A lot of my students seem to go there. That's like their trip to America. A lot of a lot of Koreans like uh, to go to Saipan and Guam for vacation. That's true. Um. Yeah, I've heard that those, but I've heard both of those places though are just like, it's just re- it's just resorts, resorts, resorts. Like, there's no kind of like authentic experience, kind of. But maybe that's not totally true. America's authentic experience is resorts. <laughs> yeah, I know, and that's why I don't live in America anymore. Um, that's not the reason, but that's why I'm happy to say I don't live there anymore. I it's guess like it's like the American slogan. You just have to resort to resort. <laughs> resort to a resort. Yeah, say it again. <laughs> uh, here's one called lying down and vomiting between courses. I used to do this in university so often. <laughs> I'm surprised they write a, wrote an article about my university experience, but lying down and vomiting between courses, that's... Well, that takes me back. When you pull out, when you see the full, uh, the full non-clickbait headline, it makes a bit more sense. Lying down and vomiting between courses. This is how ancient Romans would feast. I already know about this, but actually, I heard that the vomitorium was like kind of like was discovered basically to be a bit of a myth. Yeah, I've heard but, that too. But this article seems to say otherwise. Well, it doesn't say that there was like a. Uh, I think it doesn't say there was an actual place designated for vomiting, which is actually even worse. So they're just saying that like people would eat a lot and then just vomit wherever they were, and then their slaves would come clean it up. So yeah, this is a whole article about like the decadence of ancient Rome, which always feels like there are good um, parallels to this the descent of the American empire in a way. Um, but that's a little bit old hat too, to talk about. I don't know. There was one thing, there was one thing in here. So actually I did kind of, I did scroll through this one before full disclosure. Um, one thing I didn't know about was that, uh, here we go. Feasting was a way to keep death at bay. Banquets ended with binge drinking ritual with a binge drinking ritual during which diners discussed death to remind themselves fully to live and enjoy life. In short, carpe diem. In keeping with this worldview, this is the part I didn't ever hear about. Table objects such as salt and pepper holders were shaped as skulls, according to some historian, it was customary to invite beloved dead ones to the meal and serve them platefuls of food. Sculptures representing the dead sat at the table with the living. That's funny. They would put plates and plates and plates of, of wonderful 
hard to find, hard to <laughs> enjoy or, you know, get your hands on food in front of um, dead people while their slaves walked around cleaning up their vomit. It's a good system. It's a good way to govern. Um, also, they did. They went into like the way that wine was made, and it was really it was more much more gross than I expected. Um, it says here, wine wasn't always drunk straight, but spiked with other ingredients. Water was used to, to dilute alcohol potency and allow revelers to drink more while seawater was added so that the salt preserved wine barrels coming from faraway corners of the empire. Gross. Even tar was a common substance mixed with the wine, which over time blended with the alcohol. The Romans could hardly taste the nasty flavor. Hmm. Um, Perhaps the ultimate symbol of excess, the Epicurean Apicus. I don't know who that is. Some philosopher guy, maybe, allegedly committed suicide because uh, he had gone broke after throwing too many lavish banquets. Uh, he that le- happens. He left behind, however, a gastronomic legacy, including his famous pie made with a mix of fish and meat, such as bird interiors and pig's breasts, a dish that might struggle to entice at modern feasting tables today. I like pie. that's your takeaway (laughs) what does it mean people don't like pie meat pie is good i mean there's also probably better like more appetizing ways to describe it rather than bird interiors and pig's breasts it just sounds like meat (laughs) but it also just uh, the whole thing sounds disgusting and drinking tar laden wine anyway those people knew how to party right i mean Sometimes you just feel better after throwing up. I know this from heavy drinking. <laughs> but they were like they were binging and purging, like 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 bulimic style, yeah, <laughs> to, I mean, to put it crudely. I mean, I'm curious though. Does laying on your stomach and eating really help with bloating? Because I, I have. <laughs> Maybe I should start laying and eating on my stomach. Consult some of these uh, Italian historians. Maybe I should try this uh, Rome method. Um, I think they would just eat, and then when they got too full, they would lie down, and then they'd fucking throw up, because <laughs> they're like, I want to eat more. <laughs> oh, no, another little detail that I remember reading there was that, yeah, they, they would force themselves to vomit, like, by, by using a feather. They would stick a feather down their throat. It's real gross. Okay. Yeah, I saw that. What else are we going, going uh, on So here? this is what I was talking about. The Romans actually ate lying on their bellies, so the body weight was evenly spread out and helped them relax. So they would eat lying on their belly. Oh, the okay. left hand held up their head while the right one picked up the morsels placed on the table, <laughs> bringing them to the mouth. So they ate with their hands, and the food had to already be cut by slaves. So you should try this out. <laughs> yeah, I'll get my slaves to cut my food, and I'll lay on my belly and eat. It's... It's going to be the answer. No answer to all your gastrointestinal woes. I hope so. Um, what else? Spectacular. Oh, uh, 
That actually, I don't know about that one. Maybe not. Fifty cats inherit money from French man. <laughs> Fifty cats, money, French man. Frenchman has left money to 50 cats who live in a Russian hermitage museum. That's nice of him. How much money? Uh, Let's find out. So a bunch of cats live. Oh, this started like this started with Catherine the Great. She gave the cats the status of guardians of the art galleries. Russian state-run news agency RIA reported, noting that the cats were housed to keep rodents from the premises. Uh, Now they're taken care of by volunteers and museum staff, supported by donations. Uh, The animals have their own washing machine and the services of a local veterinarian. Um, They have cat washing machines? (laughs) So apparently this dead French guy left a, quote, small sum in his will. That's a small sum. I bet it's more money than I have. Our French friend did a very good thing. This is brilliant PR for both the cats and charity. The sum is not very big, but it's important when a person writes a will when the French lawyers contact us. And it's all not a simple process, but this is all very interesting, isn't it? He said. Um, Yeah. <laughs> the funds will likely be used to repair the museum's basements where the cats live. I think the cats will express their will. Our colleagues are very well versed at communicating with them and understanding their language. <laughs> so that's amazing. Okay, so Russian weirdos take money from French men. That's and, <laughs> and they can speak cat. And they can speak cat. That's cool. I wish um, I could speak cat. Robots are going to save one of the world's most unusual cathedrals. How? How, by God, how? Well, the Gundams are going to make sure that none of the evil um, Megatrons of the world can (laughs) destroy the cathedral. Uh, No. um, Oh, I I wonder if this was made by, um, what's his name, Gaudi. Oh, wait, no, that's not... Mm -mm. Gaudi's... Well, no, this is Barcelona. It, Gaudi, was, Ga- it was made by Gaudi. You're right. Ha-ha. I know one thing about Spanish architecture. Well, you know you know one more thing than I did. You know, I, the only reason I know that is because the first school I worked at in Korea, we had a, a, a class called Gaudi class oh, really? where the kids like learned about architecture and shit. Oh, yeah, I also sounds, ta- I taught Gates class named after Bill Gates, and it was very bougie. I taught this was like a really this was anyway. Uh, this was at the English Village. It was just like a total rip off, and they were like conning the city and stuff. But um, and the place was falling apart. But we did have lots of different classes, and I taught Gates class, which was uh teaching kids like computer terms in. English, even though a lot of computer terms in English are basically the same as in Korean. For example, the word computer. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, I also taught them how to do basic Photoshop, which was kind of fun. I guess the way the robots are saving is they can speed up repairs that are harder to do by hand. Yeah, I figured it was probably something boring like that. <laughs> 
But the cathedral itself, I will say, it looks kind of cool. Yeah, it great. looks very like um, almost sort of sci-fi, futuristic. Seems like a great place to throw a party. Yeah, good old Catholic party. Now that just by definition sounds gross. Wine and vomiting. <laughs> I was thinking darker, but <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> Technology will not save us. How? How will it not save us? And the first thing I see is a picture of Dr. Fauci. And it says, the U.S. is not helpless against coronavirus. Fuck, it's more coronavirus shit. So, Dr. Fauci, nearly a year after the novel, I guess we'll just be, this will be full circle, and we'll call it after this. <laughs> coronavirus, uh, depressing coronavirus talk, and then headlines, and then loop back around to coronavirus. Nearly a year after the novel coronavirus first emerged, news that scientists have developed several effective COVID-19 vaccines has been widely celebrated. Markets have rallied. Politicians have called it the light at the end of the tunnel. And the U.S.'s leading infectious disease expert, Dr. Anthony Fauci, has said the Calvary is on the way. But Fauci and other public health experts around the world have also hastened to point out that the crisis is far from over. The winter months will be brutal, and manufacturing and distributing vaccines at the scale needed to end the pandemic will pose a massive logistical challenge. Disinformation designed to sow fear about vaccination will continue to poison many minds. The road ahead is long, <coughs> but suppose, let's suppose widespread vaccination pr- proceeds seamlessly consigning the COVID-19 crisis to history sometime in 2021 or 2022. What lessons will we take from this episode? Certainly there will be a good case to be made for the triumphant power of human ingenuity. But let's not forget, countries like New Zealand and South Korea managed to control the virus early on by implementing solutions like face masks, social distancing, and contact tracing. Meanwhile, the U.S. and Europe suffered a devastating loss of life and effectively hedged their bets on a sweeping scientific breakthrough. Yep. (laughs) I wonder why they don't mention Taiwan either. Probably because Taiwan and also mainland China, uh, or I should just say China, sorry, Taiwan, you're not part of China, I know. Um, They got their numbers down by fucking just shutting everything down. Yeah. And U.S. Uh, propagandists like CNN don't want to fucking let people know about that. Um, <clears throat> also, New Zealand basically got theirs down by not letting anybody into the fucking country. And it's actually become a, like a real problem now where um, there are like, I don't know, a g- fairly a significant number of people are like trapped in India who are actually... Um, New Zealand residents that like immigrated there Uh. and New Zealand won't let them back in and like, you know, (laughs) take a guess the, the shade of their, their skin color, you know, that anyway, um, that's another story. 
But um, sure, that bet seems to have paid off. Has it? Has it? We haven't even started taking the vaccines yet. Though certainly not for the families of over 280,000 people who have died in the U.S. But where does that leave us when it comes to other global challenges like future pandemics or climate change? The wholesale reliance on technological and scientific project progress to provide a convenient solution that may never materialize can be detrimental if it becomes an alibi for inaction. In the case of climate change, scientists warn that Earth is heading towards a tipping point if we continue on our current path. We have evidence showing that irreversible changes to environmental systems are already underway. And yet so many of us, paralyzed by the question of how to tackle this problem, were simply unwilling to confront the reality of the situation, are still holding out hope that some easy fix will present itself. The response many people have had to the simple act of wearing face masks does not bode well for the larger structure for larger structural changes, let alone personal sacrifices that may be necessary to fight the climate crisis. Um, it goes on for a while. Um, you get the idea. Yeah. Um. Yep. Uh, I wish people would just stay in their homes. Yeah. Or mask. I feel like we we began on coronavirus, but and ending on coronavirus is probably all right, right? Just, just. I, I said that like three times, dude. <laughs> let's just leave it there. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'm brain dead. I got nothing else to say. Uh, quick recommendations? Sure. General recommendations. I would like to recommend a movie and a musical artist. Um, I recently started listening to a group, a group, whatever, some musicians that I hadn't listened to for probably a good number of years, uh, Coco Rosie. Oh, I haven't listened to them in forever. Yeah, I used to love Coco Rosie, actually. Yeah, they're they're great. um, Do they have new stuff? They actually have a brand new album, but I, I I haven't listened to anything new of theirs since probably 2010-ish. Yeah, that's probably the last time I listened to anything um, for them. And looking them up, they've put out like at least like three or four albums since then, and just recently another one. But um, they're very, they're a very strange uh, group. Um, they're sisters. They were like estranged from each other for a long time. I was reading up on them today. They had really weird childhoods where like, they were like nomadic and their father like was like this guy who like like to do like peyote rituals on like Native American reservations. Apparently they're part Native American. And um anyway, their music is uh is pretty inventive. Um it's called like 
basically it just reminded me of like this whole thing from like let's say roughly 2005 ish that era freak folk (laughs) this was like before animal collective got super electronic i guess maybe even um it was the time when uh brooklyn was uh the place to be uh when it came to uh is it not the place to be anymore well when it came like there was a particular like brooklyn hipster indie music scene like culture there that i feel like maybe maybe i just don't know about it but i think it's it's long over like at least in in the way that it was back then if that makes any sense like i mean i don't know isn't like all music now just fucking soundcloud rappers and shit anyway um (laughs) no it's not but i can see why you would think that i'm saying i remember there was like a golden age of this kind of music back in the mid 2000s mid to late 2000s and um what i'm saying is like i think if you talk to people that are younger than us about coca rosie now like they'd probably be like what's that weird old shit and oh, like yeah. to us it doesn't feel that old but anyway they're good if you like kind of strange catchy music you might like coca rosie i mean i could say a lot more about them but we got to wrap this up the second thing i want to say uh recommend is kind of like total opposite. This is like a very popular thing. This is being called... Uh, um, <coughs> excuse me. This is Oscar bait par excellence. Uh, I know what you're going to recommend. Yeah, I want to recommend the movie Mank. I watched it. I liked it. I liked it a lot. And it was um, surprisingly much more about uh, politics than I expected it to be. Um <coughs> particularly about like Upton Sinclair and uh, basically like the kind of conversations that were happening back in those Citizen Kane days that might've been presumably happening amongst like, you know, elite, elite Hollywood types about like, who do you support? Are you a damn socialist, et cetera. And um, Gary Oldman, as usual, brings it, you know, he does a great job. He also has a lot. He he plays like the severe alcoholic screenwriter, and Gary Oldman uh, had his own real deep troubles with drinking, so that might have helped inform some of the realism. But whatever. Um, and I guess David Fincher wanted to make this movie like since way back in like 1997, like after he did that movie, The Game, and uh, it just never it part of the reason he couldn't get it made is because he insisted on it being in black and white and like all this fucking film production morons were like you can't sell a black and white movie you know whatever like that that was like the thing cited as holding it back for so long but it's ultimately good that it was held back because it appears that originally Kevin Spacey and Jodie Foster were going to be the leads and I think that would have been a much shittier movie than the one that we got here. But um, it was good. Um, I don't care if it's maybe popular. <laughs> Sometimes I like stuff that's popular. Also, it inspired me to want to go back and watch Citizen Kane, which I haven't watched for a long time, and a bunch of other Orson Welles movies. So Mank and Coco Rosie, maybe at the same time, you decide.
Yeah, I'll recommend um, Yeji. I uh, I've been listening to a lot of Yeji this year, which is like a uh, Korean American artist and uh, based in Brooklyn, <laughs> all places. She does like um, really cool electronic music, in my opinion. She also like often releases like curated like um, playlists of just like underground music happening in Brooklyn and I guess the rest of America. But um. I think her first big song was called Rain Girl, which was, like, really cool. But then she had, like, um, this new song from this year. And I'm so fucking bad with names. Uh, Waking Up Down, which is, just like, one of my favorite songs of the year. And uh, so, yeah, I highly recommend checking out Yeji. It's fun music. Yeah, I like the bit. <clears throat> I like the little bit that I've heard. Hewan likes her as well. Um, cool. I think Brooklyn made me think about her. What's going on there now? I'm sure it's still a cool place to be. With more death, more sickness. <laughs> but luckily, the great thing about being in New York is they have the one guy who killed the coronavirus. If we just had a million more Camus, the corona, the coronavirus would run to its corner, cowering in fear. Sadly, there's just not enough of that guy to go around. <laughs> Wait, what are you talking about? <laughs> Camus, the, the existentialist writer and philosopher? Yeah, that guy. What does he have to do with New York? No, uh, the, the fucking politician, the uh, the guy, the... That's his name. Cuomo? Cuomo. Did I say Camus? You said Camus, yes. Oh, shit. Yeah, they're the same person, right? Yeah, but see, that really threw me off because... I do like Camus. As soon, as soon as COVID started up, people were like referencing the plague, you know, his book, The Plague. Yeah. So I'm like, where are you going with this? But he's not a New Yorker. What are you talking about? <laughs> yes, Andrew Camus, the existentialist piece of shit governor of New York. Immortal governor of New York. Oh, man. Fuck Andrew Cuomo. I'll end on that note. Why are names so hard? I'll end on that note. All right. See ya. Adios. Broken sundown, fatherless showdown Burn hair, swollen lip, bottle sip Yeah, I suck dick, loose grip on gravity falls Sky blinding, crumbling walls Never sweep away my memories of Children's things a young mother's love Before the yearning song of flesh on flesh Young hearts burst open, wounds bleed fresh a young brother, skinny and tall, my older walks oceanward in somber slumber, sleeping flowers in the water, but I'm just his daughter, walking down an icy grave, leading to my schizophrenic father, weeping willow, won't you wallow louder, searching for my father's power. Say a witch. We-
feel the darkness when he was whining All his my arms and I'm my child and He was the bastard that broke up the marriage Even do was doing evil from a baby carriage And he was born with the same blue eyes Crystal ships dripping with ice Diamonds coruscating the night Fireworks, electric bright And now he's got his own two sons Tries to hide his tears in the world of fun But loveless bedrooms filled with doom Bring silent heartache July to June Swoon over new young heart flame Mourn the memories later Laugh now alligator